Last week I talked from two portions of Scripture. There were four points, but I'm just going to repeat two. One was from Psalm 46.10, which says, Be still and know that I am God. How many of you have a hard time being still? How many of you, I've said this before, when you are still, you fall asleep? It's important for us to be still, to spend time with God, to meditate on His Word, to pray without ceasing. But 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Can you be still and be steadfast at the same time? It's a good question. You might not be able to do it at exactly the same time, but you could do it in the same day. You can do it in the same hour. Spend time alone with God because only as we abide in Christ will we produce fruit. Without Him, we can do nothing. So we do need to be still, but we also need to be steadfast. We need to be willing to do what it takes to serve God and to accomplish His purpose. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 12. There were four men who were willing to do what it took in order to bring someone to Jesus. And wouldn't you agree that we, as Catawba Baptist Church, need to be willing to do what it takes to bring people to Jesus? Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse number 1. And again Jesus entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Wouldn't you have enjoyed being there? To hear him preach? The reality is he would probably have been preaching in Hebrew and you wouldn't understand a word he had to say. But it still would have been good to be there. Especially if you had an interpreter. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic, someone who was paralyzed, who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. It's interesting, they brought him, the paralytic, to Jesus so that he could heal him. Where did Jesus start? He started with the spiritual. Physical is important, is it not? And we need to be seeking to meet physical needs as we can. But the spiritual is very important because it has eternal ramifications. So Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you. Some of the scribes were sitting there and they reasoned their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, 
so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Again, it would be nice to be there, would it not? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we look at this and a couple other portions of Scripture, we pray that you will teach us what we need to know. But more than that, I pray that you'll transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we may prove your good, acceptable, and perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. We've looked at this portion of Scripture before, but I think it's appropriate for us to spend a few times, few minutes looking at, again at this portion of Scripture and then look at one or two others. There are five characteristics of someone who's willing to do what it takes, like these men were willing to do what it takes. The first one is compassion. Look at verse number three. They came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. They had compassion on this paralytic, this person who was paralyzed. In other words, they cared about him. Now let me ask you a question. Are there people all around you who have needs? Probably so. Do you care? I think most of us do. Now the reality is that none of us can meet everybody's needs. We would be worn out. And we wouldn't be good for anything, probably. But all of us can help meet the needs of some people. But if we don't have compassion, we're probably not going to try. If we don't care, we're probably not going to try. So it's important for us to have the characteristic of compassion as we think about making a difference, as we think about doing what it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ and help them to grow as disciples. So I guess the question we should ask ourselves is this, do we have compassion? Do we really care for the people around us? It's easy for us sometimes to get burnt out. We get so burnt out we care about ourselves, but we don't care about the people around us. Well, Jesus' perspective was that he cared, and he wants us to care as well. He wants us to be like him. So number one is compassion. Number two is confidence. Notice in verse number three, they came to him. How many of you have the him capitalized in your Bible? Some, some translations capitalize words for God and some don't. Uh, the pronoun here is capitalized in my Bible. They came to Jesus. They came to God. They came to the one who was able to help. They had confidence in him. You know, faith is extremely important. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, then in all probability, we're not going to be accomplishing very much in life because without him, we can do nothing. Notice verse number five. It says this. When Jesus saw their, what's the next word? Faith. He said to the paralytic, sons, your sins are forgiven you. Faith makes a difference. We need to believe in God. We need to believe truly not just intellectually, but truly, genuinely, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God can work miracles? Do we believe that He can truly meet the needs of people? Do we truly believe that He can work in the hearts of people in such a way that many people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and grow in their relationship with Him? We need to have confidence in God. I was reading a verse in Zechariah, I think it was yesterday. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. 1 Corinthians 1 indicates that God has not chosen many people that are wise and 
and strong and, and so on. He's chosen those of us who are weak to make a difference in the lives of people around us so that he gets the honor and glory. We need to have confidence in God. We need to believe that God is able to work significantly. So what was number one characteristic? Starts with a C. Compassion. We need to care. Number two, confidence. We need to have faith that God can and will work. Number three is creativity. Look at verse number four. When they could not come near him because of the crowd, they became creative. doesn't say that in the Bible, but that's what they did. They uncovered the roof where he was. They thought outside of the box. I guess they thought outside of the house. And they decided that they had an idea that might work. You think creativity is good? Let me ask you a question. Do we have a tendency to keep on doing the same things we've always done the same way? Even if it doesn't work, we keep on doing it. Do we not? Maybe we need creativity. Now, when it comes to arts and crafts and stuff like that, I am not very creative. I I don't have any ideas at all. When it comes to food, I'm not very creative. If, uh, if I'm on my own, the probability is that I am going to fix a what? A peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now, I do it right. Extra crunchy Jif, Welch's grape. Darlene's talked me into doing wheat bread. I used to use white bread. It was a lot of fun. And a cold glass of milk. It's a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but time after time after time after time, that's what I eat. In fact, many of my kids greatly dislike peanut butter and jelly, and it's because of me. Some creativity would have been helpful in that situation. These men, these four men were creative. They came up with an idea that would help them get this paralytic to Jesus Because there was such a big crowd, they couldn't get in any other way. But not only did we have creativity here, we also had one more thing, two more things. But we need to review first. What was number one? Compassion. Number two, confidence in God and Jesus. Number three, creativity. Number four was courage. Think about it for just a minute. You're on top of a house. You and three other men are carrying a paralyzed man. Jesus is inside. You come up with a good idea because you're creative. Tear up the roof and let him down. Does it take courage to do that? That's number four is courage. It's it's relatively easy to come up with an idea. Sometimes it's difficult to take action on that idea. It takes courage. It takes courage to witness to somebody. Because if you witness to somebody, they might say you're a fanatic or they might ask you a question that you don't have any idea about. It takes courage to do what we need to do, to do what it takes. These men were willing to take action. Their idea was not planned ahead of time. In other words, as they were going with this man to Jesus, they didn't think to themselves, all right, what's plan A, plan B, plan C? I was talking to somebody this morning. And we were talking about planning, and he was talking about, I normally do plan, and 
and I have a plan A. If that doesn't work, I have a plan B. I have a plan C. I'm just ready. And I think that's good, but sometimes we can't plan ahead. This was not a planned event. This was something that they believed that God wanted them to do, and they did it. Their idea was not perfect. Probably there would be some people that might have said, you could come up with a better idea than that. Their idea was messy. I wonder who cleaned it up and who fixed the roof after it was through. Their idea certainly would not please everybody. Did you know you can't please everybody? How many of you are hot right now? I see that hand. How many of you are cold right now? All right, we're pleasing most people. There are only about five or, five or ten that aren't pleased, and, and they have a great attitude. We appreciate your attitude. The truth is we cannot please everybody, but we need to be willing to do what it takes to bring people to Jesus. Wouldn't you agree with that? And it definitely takes courage. All right, we've covered four so far. Number one was compassion. Number two, oh, it's right in front of you. I was impressed. I was impressed with your memories and my preaching. Number two is confidence. Number three, creativity. Number four, courage. Number five, in a sense, is not, it's seen in this portion of Scripture, but it's a combination of all of them. It's, it's commitment. Don't you think that we need to be committed to doing what God wants us to do? which includes bringing people to Jesus Christ. It includes making disciples, includes various things, purpose of the church. Well, Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 27, talks about commitment. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. And we need to understand the context here. The context is that Jesus had just predicted his death and his resurrection. Verse number 21, from that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So he was letting his disciples know what God's plan was, his death, burial, and resurrection. Peter took him aside. Peter was one that was not hesitant to speak his mind. You know about anybody like that? That, that they will be very blunt and will speak out. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Can you, can you imagine that? He, he had just indicated that he was the Christ, and now he is rebuking Jesus. And he said to him, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. You got it wrong, Jesus. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You're not mindful of the things of God. Instead, 
You're mindful of the things of men. I wonder if somebody followed you for a week. Sort of an investigative reporter. And watched how you lived your life. Let's say more than a week. Maybe a month. Because you can fake it for a week, right? But they watched you for a month. And they saw how you lived. They saw how much time you spent in God's Word, how much time you spent in prayer, how much time you spent meeting the needs of people around you, how much time you spent watching television, playing video games, doing your own thing. Now, I'm not saying watching TV and playing video games is wrong, but I do know this. Just like Peter, we have a tendency to be mindful of the things of man rather than being mindful of the things of God. Wouldn't you agree with that? Do you find yourself doing that every once in a while? So we need to ask ourselves, what is our commitment level? Jesus then challenged the disciples. Now remember, Peter had just said, nope, you don't need to die. That's not the way it ought to be. Jesus had said, you're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of man. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. As we look at this verse, and we've, we've seen this before, a genuine disciple has a distinct mindset. If, if we're a churchgoer, we might not have this mindset, but if we are a genuine disciple, then we are going to have a distinct mindset, a unique mindset. And the first part of that mindset is selflessness. Notice it says in verse number 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. That's selflessness. We live in a selfish world. We live in a selfish society. There are many people that want what they want. And they do not care what they do to other people in order to get it. It's getting worse and worse. Wouldn't you agree with that? And I think that the, one of the reasons that's getting worse and worse is because of selfishness rather than selflessness. Two big issues in the world today, this has been the same way ever since Adam and Eve, are pride and selfishness. We think we are right, and we want what we want when we want it. But if we're going to follow Jesus Christ, if we're going to come after him, then one of our mindsets needs to be that of selflessness. The second one, is sacrifice. And this is clear. In verse number 24, it says, take up his cross. Well, he was just talking about the cross. And then he basically is saying, you need to do the same thing. You need to be willing to sacrifice. Now, I doubt any of us are going to die on a cross. That was a Roman execution technique that included torture and killing. And, and probably none of us are going to be crucified. So it's symbolic. It's symbolic of sacrifice. It's symbolic of doing what it takes in order to accomplish God's purpose. That's what Jesus did. He died on the cross to accomplish God's purpose. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you look at the context of John chapter 3, it talks about Jesus being lifted up on a tree 
And that's, that's to accomplish God's purpose. He was not selfish. He was selfless. And he was sacrificial. How many of you like to be comfortable? Let me ask this question. How many of you remember when you didn't have air conditioner? That, a fair number of you do. That, that's one of the reasons that we want to fix the, the air conditioner back there. I, I personally don't want to go a couple of months without heating or without air conditioner. We, we like our comfort. And many times we don't want to leave our comfort zones. But think about this for just a minute. The times that you have accomplished that which was very significant in your life, did you leave your comfort zone? In all probability, you did. If you were involved in a, a sports team that won a state championship, you probably worked hard in order to be able to do that. If you made a fair amount of money, in all probability, you did not make it by sitting in your recliner and doing nothing. I guess some people can make money that way, but most of us, that just doesn't work. You left your comfort zone in order to accomplish something significant. And the reality is that unless we are willing to sacrifice, unless we're willing to leave our comfort zone, in all probability, we're not going to accomplish things that are significant. So if we're going to come after Jesus, number one, we need to be selfless, have selflessness. Number two, we need to sacrifice, we need to be sacrificial. And then number three, we need to be surrendered. He says, follow me. In this world today, people do not like authority. Which means that they don't like God's word. Because not only is God's word an authority, but God's word also talks about the authorities in our life. And what we need to do is to recognize that our responsibility as Christians, if we want to be genuine disciples, is to respond in a positive way to his authority, to surrender to him and to his will. Instead of being conformed to this world, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove his good, acceptable, and perfect will. That's what surrender is all about. And I guess the question is this, as we look in our own lives, as we think about how we live the Christian life, number one, are we selfless? Number two, are we sacrificial, willing to leave our comfort zones? And number three, are we surrendered to God's will? Are we willing to do it His way? There was the song that some of us older people probably remember. Was it Frank Sinatra? What was the main phrase in the song? I did it my way. Good idea or bad idea? Best way to do it is God's way. God's the one that created us. God knows how we tick, so to speak. We need to surrender to Him and do it God's way. As genuine disciples we need to make sure that we have a distinct mindset, one of selflessness and sacrifice and surrender. But we also need to make sure that we have a distinct motivation. We see it in verses 25 through 27 of Matthew 16. 
Well, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man that he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his work. The, the motivation that we have as genuine disciples is God saying to us one of these days, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God rewarding us in eternity. Let me just ask you a real simple question. Would you rather enjoy pleasure for 50 years or 50 million years? Probably 50 million years, right? And yet, so often we just live for the here and now. We don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We don't set affection, our affection on things above. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're looking for the Savior. But we're also recognizing that when we live for him, when we serve him, when we follow him, God rewards us. Our motivation comes from an eternal perspective that God is going to reward us as we are faithful to him. In fact, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what is our mindset? Are we really committed? Do, do we really focus on selflessness and sacrifice and surrender to his will? Do we really have the motivation of eternal reward as our motivating factor? I think that if we did, then probably our speech and our behavior would sometimes be a little bit different. I'll start meddling now. Instead of saying, why? Well, kept the nursery when I had kids, we would say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. If me keeping the nursery means people coming to church that need Jesus Christ as Savior and some of them getting saved, then I'm willing to leave my comfort zone and do that. We are really good at coming up with excuses. We're not doing what it takes. Now I need to quickly say that some in this church are probably doing too much. There, there are some that, that feel like they have to do it because it's not being done otherwise. But God's plan is that all of us be involved in the work of ministry together. And if we're all involved together, then it's not going to be a scenario where others are too involved. We need to be willing to do what it takes, even though it is difficult. Yesterday I heard a story about a gentleman who made a lot of money, but in the process lost his family. Which is more important? Money or relationship? According to Jesus, relationships. When Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, he didn't say, make a lot of money. I don't think that's a commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We need to have an eternal perspective. 
Matthew chapter 6, Jesus touched on this, verses 19 through 21. It's a familiar portion of Scripture. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to have an eternal perspective laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. This applies to our money, right? I mean, that's the context here. Shortly thereafter, it it talks about the, the fact that we can't serve God and money. And as we think about this this proposal to enhance ministry, I, I guess investing in ministry, we hadn't come up with a name. Text me a possible name for this capital fund campaign and proposal and so on, and we will consider it. But do it before Tuesday night because that's when church council meets. But as we, as we think about this pro- project or these proposals, we're doing this for ministry. We're doing this so that we can be more effective in reaching people for Jesus Christ. And we need to be willing to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven and give, to give above what we normally do give, above our tithes. That's why it's called tithes, 10%, and offerings. But it's not just our money, is it? It also applies to our time, to our service. Some of us need to be willing to serve as a deacon. Some of us need to be willing to serve as a Sunday school teacher, a Sunday school life group teacher. We need teachers in our preschool program. Some of us need to be willing to serve as a nursery worker or as a greeter or whatever else it might be. But we're probably not going to do it unless we have a, a mindset where we're thinking of eternity. Because instead of being selfless and sacrificial and surrendered And a lot of times what happens is when we don't have an eternal mindset, we're selfish. We love our comfort zone. And and we want to do it our way instead of God's way. We need to make sure that we are committed. That we are selfless, sacrificial, and surrendered. And that we're thinking of eternity. Vacation Bible School is coming up this Sunday. You might be able to help. Talk to Donna. She'd be glad to talk to you. August the 20th, we're having Catawba Kids Family Fest, I think is the name we came up with. We are inviting parents and kids from those at the daycare and those in the church to come, and we're going to seek to share the gospel. We're going to seek to help them to have a good time. We're going to invite them to come to church. We need help in that regard. Again, you could talk to Donna about that. 1 John 2 says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust of it, but he that does the will of God abides forever. We should have an eternal perspective, not focused on things of men, but instead focused on things of God. 
That is what commitment is all about. We're talking about doing what it takes to bring people to Jesus or to serve in other ways. If we are going to do what it takes, there are five things so far that we need. What are they? Number one, it's not on the screen, is it? (laughs) Number one is compassion. Number two, confidence. Number three, creativity. Number four, courage. Creativity is not worth much unless you have the courage to take the step. Number five, commitment. And obviously, if you look at the the screen, when we do these five things, what is going to happen? We are going to be able to have celebration. Y'all like to celebrate? Y'all know that I turned 63 on Tuesday. I didn't get to celebrate on Tuesday, but Wednesday I went down to Sumter and Dad and Mom were there and uh, Rebecca and Ruth and their kids and Darlene and we had a good time celebrating. We ate some good food. We swam. My kids really did a, my grandkids did a good job of swimming. Some of them learned to swim on Wednesday. Very memorable. Celebration is fun. Celebration with an eternal twist is fun as well. When we see God work not just in lives now and here, but also for eternity. Look at Mark chapter 2, verse number 12. After the paralytic was healed, immediately he arose, he took up the bed, and he went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. You think God could do something like that again? Do you think that God could work in us, Catawba Baptist Church, in such a way that we have compassion and confidence and creativity and courage and commitment, that we are selfless and sacrificial and surrendered, that we're living life in the light of eternity, that we're serving in the light of eternity, and God works in a significant way, and people look and say, man, look at what God did. Isn't that what you want? It's not going to happen if we keep on doing things the way we've been doing them, so to speak. It's only going to happen as we apply these principles, as we trust God, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I really do want to do what it takes for us as a church to accomplish God's purpose. And as as we go through the process, I guarantee you everybody's not going to be pleased. But I guarantee you if we don't go through the process, if we don't tear up the roof, so to speak, if we don't make hard decisions, then not too much is going to be done for God. We, we should never think, man, I'm going to do great things for God because I'm great. We need to think God can do great things in and through me because he is great, but he wants us to obey. He wants us to be willing to do what it takes. So I end up with one question. Are you willing to do what it takes? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you will help us to 
be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I pray, Lord, that we might come to the altar, so to speak, and present ourselves and say, here I am. Whatever you want from me, God, I am ready. Lord, I pray that you will work your perfect will in and, each, in and through each one of us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I wasn't planning on doing this, but what I'd like to do is I'd like to just ask you the question, are you willing to do what it takes? And if you are willing to do what it takes, that's different things for different people, but if you are willing to do what it takes, I would like for many of you to come to the altar and pray or come sit on the front row and just indicate by so doing that you are willing to do what it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ, to help people grow, to meet the needs of people, to accomplish the purpose that God has for us as Catawba Baptist Church. Let's stand together as we sing.